And now another blast from the past, another sound of soul. If your heart can take it, come fly with me. This is Rock and Robin on your 80 dial, music for parking in the dark while in Rock Creek Park. And now from the year 58, Little Anthony and the Imperials and Shimmy, Shimmy, Coco, Pop. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> we're back for the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Um, this is Kelly Dixon. In case you didn't notice, we we got Jonathan Banks, my buddy Banks, here today, and uh, he gave us a little opening. Jonathan, what was that? Uh, that years ago, in many radio stations all over the South, there there used to be they gave the disc jockeys great free reign and liberty to come up with what they were doing, and whether they were introducing Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop or whether they were hawking a hair salon or a supermarket there was great poetry in it so anyway that was i think that guy was named rock and robin and he was from baltimore and uh obviously the station was 80 on your dial <laughs> <laughs> i think uh i think uh, mike has got a new career uh, maybe so i think it's more words than mike has ever spoken <laughs> john then did you used to practice stuff like that or something i love stuff like that i just instinctively as a kid thought oh man this is the best so we stuck a mic in front of your face just now and you're like and th- that's what i want to do if i could do it if i could do it yeah if i could do it if you know one good rip but there was one that was about a hair salon that i heard somewhere in north carolina and you know what is it a hot a hot process for you to straighten your hair i can't remember what it was but it was just great <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to be talking about episode 106, which is the Banks episode. It is indeed. <laughs> um, you can actually said that in the script, right? Yeah, this, yeah, this, this is the Banks episode. Welcome to the Mike Ermintrad episode. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm here with Vince Gilligan. Hello. I'm here with Peter Gould. Hey. Uh, writer Gordon Smith. Hello. Uh, my assistant and sometimes co-editor and guy, engineer who's running the board for us, Chris McCaleb. I'm just the guy. And co-host. Hello. Shit, you have a lot of You have a lot of hats. <laughs> You it's know, I'm a hat. I'm I like a hat. screw up every single time we do this. But Chris, I gotta I gotta take an aside here. Chris has been my assistant for two and a half years, I think. We've gone from job to job to job since mm-hmm. 2012. And we met each other in 2010. And now he has moved on in his editing, and I'm so sad to see him go, but I'm very happy to see him, you know, progress. And congratulations, Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. So I'm sorry I keep screwing up and saying you're sometimes <laughs> my assistant, but that's uh, all true, though. Chris did co-edit episode number 10, so you'll see his work in episode number 10. So there you go. And we're all very happy for Chris, and we're all very, very sad that that, uh, that he's not going to be with us, I guess, next Where season. Where are you going? I'm, I'm, on, well, I'm on Halt and Catch Fire right yes. now, season two. Excellent and when show. is that on? What, what day and time? Good question. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> August. Definitely on AMC. Make sure yeah, to catch Halt and Catch show. Fire on AMC. Anyway, also, uh, a special guest, we've got Jonathan Banks. Yay! Yay. Thank the you Banks for episode. Banksy. Vince, I know that you wanted to uh, to mention some things going on in Albuquerque. I want to open with this that. with a, I won't, I'll keep it brief. I want to open with a bit of a downer. But, uh, and I know uh, I am not talking to, I don't believe for a minute I'm talking to anyone who is guilty of this. But because uh, you fans who listen to the show, who love Breaking Bad, and who now love Better Call Saul, uh, are, are 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 not the folks I believe are doing this. But the house in uh, Albuquerque, uh, the the Walter White residence, uh, the house that uh, that we used for Breaking Bad, uh, is a bit of a tourist attraction, as as most of us know at this point. And the the lady uh, who lives in that house, uh, she and her husband, uh, are the two nicest people in the world. 
and they deserve to be treated well. And what's going on is, and this has been okay with, with her uh, for a long time, that people come by and visit and get their picture taken in front of the house, just so long as they do so within, within reason and they do it in a respectful manner. But lately, we're hearing from her that uh, folks are, are wandering onto her property and they are being rude to her when she comes out and basically says, you're on my property. And they're throwing pizzas on roofs and mm. stuff like that. And let me tell you, there is nothing original or funny or cool about throwing a pizza on this lady's roof. She she is uh, it is just it's just not funny. It's been done before. You're not the first. And if, if I you, catch you doing it, I will hunt you down. I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. Uh, I, and again, I don't think we're talking to the folks uh, who are guilty of that. But if we are, uh, I don't even know what to say to you. Please stop. So, so uncool. Please stop. Uh, and if, if you happen to be visiting Albuquerque and you are respectfully keeping your distance and, and staying off this wonderful lady's property, as you should be, uh, and taking a picture of the house, and also being respectful of the neighbors around this house, which is equally important, because people live in these houses. They're trying to go about their lives just like we all are, day in and day out. If you're being respectful and, and uh, careful uh, you know, not to trespass or bother anyone, uh, then, then good on you. Uh, if you see anyone acting like an asshole, uh, well, I'm, I'm not saying go after them personally or anything, but maybe take down their plate number, something within reason. But if uh, you know, and I got a feeling you, you probably these are not middle-aged people or older people. So if you're a kid and you're doing that, you know, straighten your ass up, man, because it's it, it, it it's not cool. Yeah. And if it's your mom that you would be doing it, and somebody was doing something like that, it's just you don't treat people that way. Period. Yeah, treat people like you would uh, like you would want to be treated. Yeah, the golden you know? rule. And and again, you know, we love our fans. Uh, I, I don't love those fans. Uh, I don't even consider them fans. I consider them jagoffs. But uh, again, I don't think I'm. I don't believe I'm in my heart. I'm talking to any of them on this podcast because I think you folks listening are cooler than that. But just know it's going on, uh, and it's it's just not cool. But uh, enough said about that. And uh, God bless. Uh, uh, I'm not even mentioning her by name on this because she, she deserves her privacy. And, and, and let me say one last thing. She is the sweetest lady in the world. And if you were getting on her nerves, you were doing something seriously fucking wrong because she's as nice and hospitable as they come. And at the very least, you got to be a little, what are you, you're a really spoiled kid because what are you doing wasting pizza like that anyway? <laughs> Pizza's too good to waste. <laughs> it depends on the pizza, but still, I agree with Mr. Banks on that one. Anyway, enough said. Thank you for your indulgence. So uh, what's the name of this episode? 5 Oh, sorry, Gordon. 5 0 5 What is that reference to? That is the, uh, how is it, the, num- the number for police? It's the, the code slang for police. Yeah. Like five Hawaii Five-O. Yeah. Yet another one of her episodes that ends with an O. Unlike and, uh, the last one. Unlike the last <laughs> one. Unlike the, unlike the last one, indeed. Yeah. The Alpine Shepherd Boy. That's right. You know, let's start, since we have uh, three writers in the room, let's start with that one and, and kind of tell me, you know, how this became the Jonathan Banks episode and tell me about, you know, how you guys decided to approach Mike's backstory and how'd you Ex- guys start? Excellent question. We were... Uh, this wasn't. This one wasn't originally going to be six, was mm-hmm. it? It was going to no, be five. No, it was going to be five. And uh, we broke it as five. We'd been sort of generating stories and pieces of of Mike's backstory for as we started talking for about the first four episodes, and in general, like you know, f- trying to figure out what what we wanted to tell and how we wanted to parse it out. And at a certain point, it became clear that we really we if we were going to do it, we were just going to do it 
all together and all at once. And it seemed like at first that it was going to come as episode five. But once we broke it and we started in on what what became episode five, we sort of realized that we were jumping some steps. It felt like we were jumping some steps. And so we, this, this ended up moving to six and we bridged the gap with Chuck's story in, in five and figured out, uh, which, is a, which is a rarity. It's not something in, in terms of our process that we usually do. It's, it's interesting because I think that the step we were specifically jumping was Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, the, the question was, you know, once, once we had this idea of him spilling the coffee, uh, on uh, at Mike's request, the question was, you know, how, why is he spilling coffee a- after he made all those, all those promises to Chuck at the end at the end of uh, the Billboard episode, uh, Jenny Hutchinson's uh, 104. So uh, that was that was really the origin, of, actually, of the last episode of 105 yeah. of mm-hmm. the Alpine Shepherd Boy. Was where where is? It's always the question: Where's Jimmy's head at? Yeah, where's Jimmy, and how does that? And Jimmy and Chuck, I think, were very crucial. And then so then we. You know, we had been talking about, obviously, we've been thinking about Mike's backstory for a long time and, like, who he was and what we we had to sort of dance between the raindrops and figure out what had been said about him in, in Breaking Bad. Yeah, we knew so did he, you guys go back through and, like, kind of do a, like, an old, like, a Mike kind of thing in the writer's room where you kind of looked at all the... We didn't look at them, but we had, uh, we had you know, uh, Micah and Heather and, and Jen and Joey sort of chase down whatever we could find we had sort of a Mike and a Jimmy Bible or a a Saul and a Mike Bible that just had almost every line of dialogue every appearance what happened and we we read through those and we're like okay what are we bound by what seems flexible um and uh and additionally there was there was uh Mr. Jonathan Banks indeed because he he also had permission he had he had uh (laughs) John, John, and this is I. This to me is one of the most interesting things about yeah. it. Is yeah. this, some of some of the origin of this backstory yes. uh, started with a conversation that you guys had that uh, Vince and John had way back. What what episode was that? The episode with I, the balloons. Do you remember? It was quite a long time. It's ago. the episode with the balloons where I go in and I and to get out and hand her the balloons. Say go to your mother, and then I go shoot people. But I I said go to your mother, and and Vince was directing that one. And it was a cool day in, in Albuquerque. The little girl ran up to the mother, and we cut. And I turned to Vince, and I said, that's my granddaughter. That is not my daughter. And, and I said, and I elaborated a little bit, I think, even then. And I said, Whatever, however Mike has lost his soul has something to do with his son. Hmm. And that fermented for... Three years, two it years, did. whatever it, it was. Mm-hmm. Was it probably was? I think, yeah, we How many started. Years was that? that was a long, what yeah, year was that? That was season, season three, 313. So full measure. 312. 312. Was it? No, it was oh, 313. You're right. You're, no, you're right. So it's 1978. It was my bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was like three, yeah, three or four years. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is where. That was the impetus. That was the uh, that was the inspiration, the moment of inspiration. Also, by the way, speaking of which, Hawkeye fans of this show, of which all of you are, and thank you for that. We'll notice that that was a different lady playing Kaylee's mom. It was a, a lovely uh, young woman whose name I am not remembering now because that was three or four years mm-hmm. ago, but she was essentially an extra. Yeah. And now, of course, we have uh, an amazing actress playing. Car- Carrie Condon. Yes, Carrie Condon. And who now, has actually now followed Chris and I from job to job That's as well. That's right. 
No, no that's true. Because <laughs> yeah. she was in, uh, you guys uh, cut on uh, Luck. She was she in was Luck, in and then she, she was, was on also the Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah. yeah, That's right, Walking Dead as well. <laughs> she was great in Luck. Luck was a, I really liked Luck. I'm sorry about, mm-hmm. the, the, it was a shame the way that, that show ended, because I really enjoyed that. And she got to use her actual beautiful Irish accent in Luck. Yeah, yes. she did. That's the yes. way she really sounds in real life. Yeah, and you know what, Carrie, it, it just for you guys to know, Carrie is a huge horsewoman. And uh, was luck was the thing about the racetrack, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, the racehorses, yeah. And she could really ride oh. She did the really horse. ride in that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nice. Is she tiny? I've never met tiny. her. Tiny, yeah. tiny little... Tiny. Uh, she's very... She's a wonderful actress, and, and we're lucky to have her. And I hate to admit, I'm sitting here, never met her. Haven't haven't actually met her yet. That shows how little I went to the uh, went to Albuquerque last year. Well, maybe more next Hopefully. But, you know, I'll tell you, too, and uh, one thing I liked was she was not... You walk into that, and I think as you're coming in the first time, it might have been very easy for her to have been a little overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And she came in there with the attitude about, you know, I'm not going to cozy up to this guy. What are you doing? You know, what am I feeling here? And she was really going through angst about what what her character was doing, which I liked. She's wonderful. Wonderful job. I want to ask you guys about about your process and, and about the decision to give us a lot of information about past stuff, but basically have characters tell us about what happened rather than be there with what happened. I know that some of it may be logistics, you know, obviously you've got to hire actors and you would have to Mm. have sets and do all that stuff. But I was just curious because you have very, this is one episode that has not that many scenes like by number, I think. Yeah. And some very long scenes about stuff that happened, and so I'm just mm-hmm. curious about your decision. That's that's it's it's an, it's an interesting choice. You know, when you say that about the things that the story, having a character tell a story versus seeing it, reminds me of when when I was a little kid, we went to see uh, Jaws. This mm-hmm. this will this will date me. We went to see Jaws, and I remember there was an adult man with us, and he said he of course Jaws is one of the great movies of all time. But he said he was disappointed because he thought that the scene where Robert Shaw tells the story of the Indianapolis sinking oh, God, and all the sharks, he said, you know, they really should have shown that. They should have faded. Are you uh, freaking kidding me? They really? really sh- I really wanted wow. to. I, I, he thought this this guy, and he wasn't a filmmaker, and it always stuck. It always stayed with me because I thought that moment there was no visual that could have had the impact of seeing Robert Shaw tell that story. And it's an odd thing because here we are in the most visual, uh, visual of storytelling mediums. But sometimes the most powerful thing in the world is somebody sitting there and telling you what happened. And that was, I, I thought that's, that's something. And obviously, you know, as you say, Kelly, sometimes there are parts of this story that we tell visually, that we enact, that, yeah. that Gordon wrote so beautifully, yeah. and that also uh, Adam Bernstein, who I we, we need to we need to mention, oh my God, yeah. just Adam just Bernstein. tore up tore up tore, this the, tore up this episode. Yeah. Uh, they did such a beautiful job, but to do the whole episode is one. And we actually had carded some of the scenes yeah. That, yeah. Mike, we, that Mike talks about. We had broken we had, almost yes. everything. Everything that's spoken about in the past, we, we had broken it in detail. We had carded some of it even. I think there's some of it still up on these boards. And we've, we had a, a lot more visual detail yeah. that I think informed all of the storytelling and informed mm-hmm. all of the, like, what, what the, the monologues were. But I think 
exactly what you're saying, Peter. Like when it got down to it, it was as much the logistics of the of production as the logistics of storytelling that were like the the story is not the story is not Mike against his past. The story is Mike dealing with this with his daughter-in-law. It's sort yeah. of, it's coming, it's in the present tense action of the story. And the present tense action of the story is him and what's going on with her, not, not what was happening in Philadelphia. It just so. occurred to me too, when you were talking, um, at first I thought, well, we never really get to see Mike with his son. We react and, 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 and see them interact. But then what you just said, you know, I, it made sense right when you, you actually said it was this is about Mike and his daughter-in-law. Yeah. And, and it's about Mike mm-hmm. and the ghosts that haunt him. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and, yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you have a Robert Shaw or if you have a Jonathan Banks, mm-hmm. you don't need to show. You know, it's, it's, that's a great story, Peter. I never heard that story. That's, uh, that's but, it, it, but it's so true. It's uh, in, in, in Jaws and in this. It, well, I can yeah. tell you as an actor that you, all of a sudden, Gordon, there it is, and, there, and then my job to do justice to, to Mike. But it's also, in my mind, that's what you hire me for. Yeah. Now I get to now I get to do what I'm supposed to do, yeah. <laughs> which is act for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, you haven't seen this episode, have you? No, ma'am. Oh. I and by the way, tomorrow. Peter, those adults that were standing in line when you were a child and you saw Jaws, I was one of those. <laughs> 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 he was sitting right behind you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you tell that kid to shut up. <laughs> right down, you little pipsqueak. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's funny. Um, I, I wish I had a camera on you for uh, for when you watch this episode on Monday night. I swear to God. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Monday. I said tomorrow. Monday yeah. night. I know. I keep on, thinking Sunday, too. I still am yeah, on the Sunday thing. That's muscle memory or something from six years of... Uh, no, it, it, this is such a... Such an astonishing episode, Gordon. You wrote the hell out of it, and uh, and Adam directed the hell out of it, and Jonathan, uh, you know, you could have heard. I just at the end, you could have heard a pin drop when you finished your monologue. It was just there was silence, and then the crew spontaneously just it was it was applause that broke because it was so moving, and like it was so moving to give this character who is really as as Peter was saying does not speak that much he's very laconic and he's very guarded and to see you sort of go there and hang it out was it was was very moving to to be there in the moment i think and yes kelly you edited the hell out of it thank you yes yes Yes. you're about to blow up over here (laughs) you know you know what what, gordon what, what that story reminds me of is actually a previous Jonathan monologue, the No Half Measure yeah. speech. That was an episode that Sam Catlin, that Sam Catlin yeah. and I wrote together. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was on Adam the, directed that I as would, well. Adam directed that as well. And I was on the set that day. And Jonathan came up to me and said, you said something nice about the monologue. You, you, were, you were very happy. You were very, very happy. happy you were very happy with it. And, and to this day, I regret that I admitted that Sam Actually, Sam wrote that part of the script, and then you, know, then you walked off. Yes, just, it is. You, you, get you, away. You, you, cut, you, cut, <laughs> you, cut me, you cut me dead at that point, yes. Hey, Jonathan, when you read the script, did you have any initial thoughts? I mean, what was your feeling about... Uh, Hallelujah would probably be the first one that came <laughs> to my mind. I feel so well taken care of. I mean, here they are sitting in a room, and I don't want to tell them all this. You know yeah, I know. Saying? I'll just tell but them. But you got you got my draft. I do it. I do it. I do it. And all. Were you tired of being in that booth up till this point, though? <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to 
come out of the booth. Yeah, Peter yeah. originally said to me, you're going to be in the booth. And I laughed. I thought, oh, that's a great idea. And then I'm in the booth. <laughs> and I'm in the booth. But the footnotes in many of the scripts, I got to tell you, the footnotes in many of the scripts were, don't worry, Mike's getting out soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, we were self-conscious so, we self about this. We were, because we wanted to see Mike in action just as much as anybody, yeah. just as much mm -hmm. as you were anybody in the audience but we we wanted to earn it and it created a lot of suspense we kept on in the, in the room i remember saying you know is, is this the episode where mike yeah, gets out of the yeah. booth yeah and, and we I, thought it was gonna be five and that's right be i i, I want to address the the writing though once again because you know over a period of time you realize that your writers love the character and you know as the actor i love the character and you know you're so well taken care of. And there are a lot of interviews I've done, and they say, well, you ever feel about this? And I said, you know what? They have the pen. They, I trust them. There are moments that there are some things that I might go a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But I always say, and I've said it now probably 100 times, I feel like I'm in such good hands. And, uh, and I am. Well, we right back at you because we know that no matter what we throw at you, you're gonna you're gonna bring it. And I'll I'll say, as a writer, uh, it's special to work with an actor who you you always deliver exactly what the intention of the scene is, but you do it in such in such a a surprising yeah. mm -hmm. real way that it always takes me by surprise, and it's as if. As if it's not written, as if it's just it's just coming out of this guy, yeah. and it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful feeling, and it also you know enables us to be very lazy because yeah. we know anything we write is gonna is gonna come out great. Absolutely. Hey, Jonathan, I'm curious, right, right, just right quick. Um, you know, we've heard uh, listeners of the podcast um, back in Breaking Bad days have heard this story, and I've heard it a lot of times too, just working with Vince and how big of a fan that he was of Wise Guy. Oh, yeah. But I'm curious because I've, I've never really spoken to you about what it was like for you when, when you were first um, being considered for the job of Mike on Breaking Bad. And, you know, had you heard of the show and what you thought of, of you know, reading and stuff no. like that? For I, one, I, one, I hadn't. And, you know, for me, I go into Bialy Thomas, who are dear, our casting directors. And... They show me this thing, and I do it, and I go in, and I go out, and uh, and that was it. Did Jonathan have dummy sides as well? No, we weren't doing dummy no, sides. No, not like nobody was really yeah. watching back then. That, that <laughs> was pretty close. And then I get the call to go, and I go there, and I noticed on the set, and I and Michael Slovis is my dear friend, and it's funny because I mean I I had done an ER or something where I was a crazy person, and <laughs> and I saw Slovis and. You know, and busted his chops, and Michael kind of raised his eyebrow about, you know, <laughs> do you know me that well to do that? <laughs> and and, and it, it's just in my nature. Um, and then I slapped the piss out of that whiner, Aaron Paul. Um, and, <laughs> and I love Aaron with all my heart. I love Aaron. And and but at the time. I was there and I came home and I said to Jenny, my wife, I said, you know, that's a really good place. I said, good. and I think I just worked with this kid who's really good. I think he's really good. And I forgot about it. I forgot about it. That job was done. I, I was done. And then um, I... So I, you didn't know the fanboy 
that Vince was of you at well, that time, huh? I don't no. think I met. I don't think I was on you the set. There. I wasn't there. You weren't there. I wasn't. I wasn't able to be. It I'm was just Adam. Yeah. Adam, Adam, Bernstein. Adam. Adam Bernstein again. Yeah. Notice the Adam. name that keeps coming uh, yeah, up. Yeah. So we'll the, never uh, get on was, a podcast. That was no, two thirteen, right? Two thirteen. You were the fixer that saw that saw calls. Yeah. To clean up Jane. Yeah. yeah. No, I can tell you from my point of view. Uh, you know, and and this is a sad thing. Back in the day, showrunners, uh, writers would go to casting sessions and sit with the actors. This was after like folks, the folks like Bally and Thomas would have put together a, right. a bunch of actors. And you'd go to the session and you'd drive to the office or wherever it was. On the X-Files, we had the casting offices within about a three-minute walk on the Fox lot from our offices. So we'd go and see these folks in person. And that, unfortunately, has gone by the wayside uh, due to uh, time constraints and, and the advent of technology where, where these... Uh, Bailey and Thomas, for instance, can can put uh, actors on on tape, or actors can self tape with their their phones, which is right. what they're doing now. And then and then we sit in our writers' room. We take a you know take a half hour break and we watch video of actors. And there's no personal interaction anymore, which is sad. I kind of miss that. But I got to tell you though, there was a part of that. Yeah. The number of times over the last. 47 years I yeah. think I'm going into my 48th since I made my first paycheck wow is that you would walk into a room we'd walk into a room like this if, if the if the what was six of us were sitting there and an actor walked into the room I can't tell you the number of times people would carry on their conversation uh, still while you stood at that door okay and you must remember that this has nothing to do with your chance to act right now yeah you're still human yeah and you're not people we're not talking about bad people but sometimes that that little bit of power yeah that people forget their good manners yeah you know somebody walks into a room and i'm talking to all you kids out there <laughs> somebody walks into a room you stand up you quit talking and you introduce yourself. Yeah. And he, that alone, that deference to another human being, puts them, you're going to get the best out of a person. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I, I guess my point was that uh, one day, three or four years ago, we have our session and we turn on the, turn on the computer. And I think at the time, Gordon, you were this, you were, and now you are uh, an amazing writer, uh, or you're an amazing professional writer. You were always an amazing writer. Now you're this is back when you were indentured. I was. You were indentured <laughs> servant. <laughs> my indentured but, servitude. But days. you powered up the computer there, and we're watching auditions for the role of this guy, uh, the fixer, and up pops Jonathan Banks. Much to my surprise, I didn't know Bialy and Thomas had had put uh, Mr. Mr. Did you Banks say something on tape. Like, we, can we get him? I said, "Holy shit! <laughs> it's Jonathan Banks. It's the guy from Wise Guy. He is. He came in to read for us. I cannot. That's literally. I, he, I cannot believe he came in to read for us. And it was uh, like off to work. I mean, and and I mean, and and I don't want to make it sound like we hired you just because of that. You were also the best for the role. I mean. There's been so many times where that's happened where yeah. someone amazing has come in and it's like, okay, oh my God, we're going to see somebody great. And then they're, they're not quite right. They, they're, they're, they're great, good, but, but, they're, they're, but there's someone who does not, it. Who's yeah, more some, perfect so it's for certainly that not, it doesn't yeah. carry it, I guess I'm, I'm no, saying. You're it right, it doesn't, doesn't carry, carry it. Today. And to all you young actors, writers out there, those years, I've had a long career, but trust me, my wife's sitting over here in the corner. And she knows those years where I've turned to her and gone, well, baby, I think we're going to have to sell the house. 
it's it's gotta be a rough it's gotta be a rough job being an actor i mean it's because you 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 do it with all your heart i would imagine well especially a guy like you you do it with all your heart and you put your your everything you have into it and you know and it's just there's so many other factors uh that are not in your control uh that you know as to whether or not the the finished product's going to turn out turn out well well you better you you got to remember, and I don't care if it sounds grounded, it's exactly what I mean. You are an artist. You chose a life as an artist, and there is no guarantee. And there are many times that the only person that's going to believe in you is yourself. And however maudlin that may sound, however used that may sound, it's true. Hmm. Makes sense. One other thing I'm going to mention uh, here, if I, I can take this out, Jonathan, if you want. Um, I was going to give a shout out to your kids. Your kids are actually employed by the show as well. Um, and they're awesome. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. The boy, you know, the, the little girl is the little girl. They're twins. <laughs> um, our youngest are twins. And she's at, back at Indiana University right now. Ah. And just, oh, they just made her the, the at the, the PBS station, which yeah. is WTIU, I think. They, I think she's going to be the stage manager. Now. Oh, wow, I mean, excellent! As it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. You Wasn't know? It? I mean, she had, but they were it's also great. impressed. I mean, she's a quick learner. She's a study. My boy, again, for I'm talking to kids out there. I guess my boy didn't get into the two colleges he wanted to get into, and whether I was misguided or not, he said, "Dad, can you help me get a job?" And only if I'm running hot can I help anybody maybe and just maybe as it is and I and he started he started working at 18 and is by far still the youngest guy and you know makes stupid mistakes like young guys do but uh, you know the thing about being in the military you make a mistake you stand guard duty you wash dishes da 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 they beat the piss out of you and you go out into the adult world you make a mistake you get fired and um yeah, he's doing okay. He's he's happy right now. He's working on a show that I did not help him get, and he's been there from. No, he'll be there from November to May. Nice. Is he still in Albuquerque? He's in Albuquerque. Good for him. And All your right. lovely daughter, uh, among other uh, great uh, helps she gave us on on Better Call Saul, she was a translator. She helped uh, dealing with uh, Miriam Colon. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Tuco's abuelita. Tuco's abuelita. Mijo, uh, wonderful actress who uh, speaks very fluent English, but but also obviously speaks very fluent Spanish and uh, and your lovely daughter helped because none of us in the writers room speak speak Spanish so uh, she was a great help good thing you write all these scenes in Spanish too <laughs> well no we, we can write them in full that's Spanish the beauty. that's the beauty of having such wonderful uh, uh, folks working with us uh, we have so much expert help from all over the place mm-hmm. uh, we could write it we could write it in any language we'd, we'd write it in English and then wind up in any language uh, you know we choose Spanish or German or or whatever. Who, know, who knows? What, there could be a spoiler in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who knows what who language knows will be next? next? Yeah, so. mi niña es Españolita. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> no. Enough of that. So no. I'm not that. I just mean. Um, so we should probably talk about the show. Yeah. You know? sure. um, uh, this is episode uh, 106 again, and we start out by uh, with seeing a, just a train, train tracks. It's yeah. really just. Train track, we're just kind of at the head of, it's just like the camera's mounted on the front of a train, just that, moving. That was a piece of stock footage that uh, Diane Mercer and uh, Alicia Weaver and uh, the good folks in our uh, uh, post-production department found for us. The original plan 
was for Adam Bernstein. And this this was our tip of the hat, was it not, to uh, Bad Day at Blackrock, yeah, right. the opening oh. of the, the – uh, and that's what a wonderful, wonderful Spencer Tracy movie. But then we if you haven't that, seen it, by all means. We realized that Mike Ermintrout actually has two arms, so we had, to, <laughs> we, had to, we had to modify it a little bit. Yeah. You know, just to mention Bad Day at Blackrock, while you were interested in some fish that ate people – I was a kid, and I went to the movie theater to see Anne Francis in Bad Day at Black Rock. Oh, and, God. And she was gorgeous. I was so excited <laughs> because that blouse, the button was just open just a little bit. <laughs> and, and, and I went, oh, my God, I'm so excited. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. was. Do you remember her in Forbidden Planet? Forbidden Planet. Forbidden yeah. Planet that was when about she goes a year the swimming two. scene. Yeah. yeah. But that was, yeah. she was That's the same bad time. girl That's in right. Bad Day at Black Rock. Yeah. And, you know, and oh she was boy, bad. did That's I right. like that. She That's was right. great. She was, but I, I, I didn't like her character because she was like, how she would you? She was a bad girl. She was, yeah, she was trying to get Spencer Tracy killed. Uh-oh, spoiler yeah, she, alert. Yeah, yeah, in <laughs> case you haven't seen it. but We're just always teenage boys. We never stop being teenage boys. When you talk to <laughs> I wasn't. I don't think. I think I was prepubescent at that time. But man, I knew that that was something good. I got to tell you. I saw her on stage before she passed away. Uh, I saw her on stage at the uh, Egyptian Theater in Hollywood. It was. Uh, it was a tribute night to Forbidden Planet, and they had Robbie the Robot on stage, and they had awesome. Anne Francis, and they had Earl Holloman, and they had Richard Anderson. Uh, and it was wonderful. She, she and she looked great. This was maybe eight or ten years ago, maybe not even ten years ago. And she looked great. Unfortunately, she's uh, passed away since then. But she was, oh, she. And then she was in Honey West, on uh, TV. Yeah. Yeah. And she was in a great episode of The Twilight Zone, uh, the one where uh, she's wandering around the department store at night and the mannequins are talking to her, and it turns out she's a mannequin herself and she's forgotten. Right. That's a, She was great. <laughs> she was a hottie. Go ho. Hmm. Yeah. Robert Ryan. She was. A, she made the mistake of falling in love with Robert Ryan. Yeah, Lee Marvin's in that movie too. Yeah. Ernest Borgnine. Is he ever? Errol Holloman. Great movie. And Borgnine. Borgnine. You know, I heard Borgnine say. You know, talking about doing acting with Spencer Tracy. Anyway, I'll do this really quick. He's acting with Spencer Tracy and saying about Robert Ryan that boy he just stole that scene he just you know he did this you know I thought you stupid motherfucker I said I thought you know what he, nobody stole a scene from Robert Ryan nobody <laughs> and I love Spencer Tracy but no Robert and first of all Spencer Tracy wasn't thinking about stealing a scene right. he was just standing there acting yeah, and yeah, yeah. And Mr. Borgnine and all your family I apologize but <laughs> I, I, I totally disagree Spencer Tracy not one minute in his life ever thought about stealing a scene I have visited I my girlfriend Holly and I have been out to Lone Pine California and we have visited where they shot the uh, they, they were were they built a whole town out there for that movie and we've been out there it's uh it's not far from the Alabama hills it's a, it's a neat place to visit anyway so this thing opens and uh you know what was what but, was you guys' thought about having Jonathan or having uh, Mike make his journey from Philadelphia by train. Just, it just, uh, we love Bad Day Blackrock. It's how the movie yeah. opens. Uh, certainly uh, nowadays, it's more likely for someone to come on a plane than a train. But Mike seems like a train to me. Mike seems like a train kind of. Because I love his line later in this in the in the show when he says, uh, "I think I heard that news when I was west of Kansas City or yeah. something." Mm -hmm. I, I also, I mean, Once Upon a Time in the West is also yes. opens very similarly and is one of my favorite movies. That, well, anybody uh, stepping down off of a train. Yeah, it feels so yeah. it feels so western and mythic and sort of larger than life which seems like 
the the genesis of that character feels yeah. that way. And by in the that way, when when my wife came to me and I was in Madrid and she came from someplace else, it's an old train station with you know I don't know if it's glass or what up there on the roof. And here comes a steam engine, yeah. and it trains two hours late on a hot day in Madrid, <laughs> and on Sunday, and my baby stepped off two cars down and all of a sudden the steam shot out right. and she was in silhouette and I thought and I was so much in love and I thought oh no come on <laughs> this is out of a, this is a, that's not fair this is out of a movie what, what yeah. is this wow and we've been together ever since that day that was during the Franco years right yeah, well, she was right after she was one of the only women that had a management job right after the Franco era that was, was a time when I met her there, there were no women waitresses and f to have any kind of a position as a woman back then was it was all in transition. It's not that way now, but wow. uh, it was then. Wow. Mm. Um, wow. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Oh, you want to talk about uh, Better Call Saul? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'll I, this is more fun for me. I'm sorry, sorry, Kelly. No, it's not just you. I'm, I'm staring us down the wrong sorry. path here. Sorry, uh, sorry um, about that. When that train pulls in, by the way, if, I think it made it into the cut. Uh, you can see that the rail runner has the number 106 on the front. We did not do that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, we did not do that. We asked. We oh, were like, uh, did set, that. did props do that? We, we asked at some point. Like, It came up when we were cutting, but That's we were like, funny. whatever. Well, it didn't seem worth it to, to change it. But it was just, it happened to be the number of the train. It happened wow. to be that they, they number the trains and they have numbers on the That's front. Funny. And I it just so happened that. to be 106, apparently. So. Did you get to blow the whistle, Gordon? I did. <laughs> I did. Oh, did you mean on the train? Yeah. No. So we so we we have um uh Mike come into the train station and obviously there's something bothering him and he sort of sits down, he looks at the restroom sign and um and then uh and then we see, you know, our first well, I guess we hear our first glimpse of like I guess you can't hear a glimpse, but um, of uh, of his daughter-in-law, yeah. she's like Mike, and then you kind of see that things are a little icy. Now we've seen her uh, last week, though. Yeah, yeah, but we've caught a glimpse of her last this, week. This very mysterious. Is I mean, it's sort of I guess it's hard to understand um, when you're first like watching the show, but as you get to the end of of 106 and you start to piece together the timeline here, we sort of realize that this is the first time that that uh, Mike is coming into Albuquerque, and mm -hmm. uh, last week. Um, we know he's been there for a while, and he's probably been, you know, doing his little stakeout surveillance of her for a while. I hope that's clear, by the way. I hope folks uh, listening are saying, "Wait a minute." So, yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about that. You want yeah. to talk about how we worried about that? Oh, uh, we we worried endlessly about what we needed to do, or what what the what the minimum and the maximum amount of like how much flash do we need? A, do we need a subtitle? Do we need some kind of you know? It, we we d we've been doing kind of a process, a bleach bypass process on the footage from we're doing flashbacks, which helps. But w we tried to figure out, you know, do we need to have does does Mike have you know a crazy fro or something? Just what 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 physical things can we show that? I, that I voted changed? for the crazy fro. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was a you know rainbow nope. wig. There was there was talk of, thing, of a beard, wasn't there at a certain point? There, there was, was like talk in, of in the beard. outline. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And I was fitted with a few as well. And, yeah. Oh my. God. 
God. <laughs> but but when you mentioned bleach bypass, you, in other words, what you're saying is that footage in the flashback sequences looks a little different. Yes. It looks a little more bluish and, and a little more contrasty. It's very washed out. I mean, well, not washed out, but more like... More crushed. Uh, desaturated. Yeah. Crushing the black, right. is yeah. what we call it. Yeah. And the reason we call it bleach bypass is it's uh, that's actually a reference step. to a photochemical yeah. process that was used... Which used has gone the way of the buggy whip. <laughs> yeah. Which has yeah. gone that where, you know, you would literally put the, the film through bleach at one point, and sometimes they cinematographers would experiment without... No, without putting the film through the bleach, would, which would give a different look. And so this is sort of our recreation, to some extent, of that look. All uh, done with ones and zeros all nowadays. Done, yes. on a all computer. done electronically. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that there's like an icy sort of relationship between Mike's daughter and Law and Mike. And it's, it's funny because Mike's kind of like, hey... It's great to see you. And she's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, there seems a little distance. There's, right. there's some water yeah. under the bridge. I mean, I think she's, you know, she feels some obligation and, and some some warmth. But there's there's obviously some, just like you say, Kelly, there's 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 some barrier between these two people. Right. And yeah. we're going to find out what it is. And then uh, and then he goes into the, um, the bathroom and <laughs> pays for a sanitary napkin to uh, put on his wound. It's really funny, too, because I remember, Vince, you... you I cut that together and I didn't really have like the insert of the net. I just had him putting money into the machine and you really wanted me to show that it was a sanitary napkin from the get go. And I was like, I felt like people would really well, understand, but you're I, like, oh, I'm a guy I, and I, I won't really. I, I don't yeah. like overly spelling things out. <laughs> Uh, but there is half the population, I believe, who has never bought one of these things. Well, yeah. <laughs> also, this and they're called men, and I'm yeah. one of them. And I, no, I, just, I was afraid half the population wouldn't quite know what that was. In our conception of it, when we were breaking it, the geography that we had in mind was more like uh, a men's room on one side of a space and a woman's room on the other. And when it, well, the actual space that we ended up using, they're right next to each other. I feel like we needed to build in some kind of redundancy there to make sure that it's like, okay, he turns, it goes pretty quick when you see the, the woman's mm -hmm. side. And so if we saw him come around to another restroom, it might be without seeing the, the sanitary napkin right. it'd be like, where was he? Why did he look in there? Why did he go to the other side? Like, I feel like since things are moving so quickly, it, it, it did feel like a, a little bit of grounding in the thing right. was nice to see there. Yeah. I think probably to me, at least. what it's also just... kind of tipped me off to that was the fact that, you know, Mike actually knew to go in there and buy that, that he knew yeah. it would be there. And he Mike is went a resourceful there, man. Yeah, and he went in there to get it. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting we can have this much discussion about an insert shot. And it, but I think this well, is a little, it's a little look at, at, yeah. at the, at the I'll, editing I'll, process. I'll even go further as the actor who is administering himself with a, with a tampon. Because mm -hmm. it's later in the day. We're doing a shot from above with a fake wall. I'm there. I'm trying to put this thing on with tape with one hand, grimacing the whole time. In, and it's not quite working out. And I went and I turned and I went at one point when the thing just fell off or it went and I went, God damn it. And I, I hit the door. Now, my son was working that day and he came over. He never, because he, he tries to pretend that we don't, we're not related, right? <laughs> so he comes over and he said, You misbehave. You got angry. And I went, Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, that was very hard. And we had to, we, you know, Jonathan worked on sort of figuring out what there's actually Nina and I and we were sort of figuring out how we were going to do this effect because when we pitched it we're like oh it'll be easy but then when we actually had the thing in hand what about the makeup people how long did it take to do that that little wound Ooh. Uh, you know what that one wasn't that bad that didn't take that long or I would remember 
because I have the attention span of a nervous squirrel. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't be no, that no, makeup chair just No, we find out later hard. that that is actually a gunshot. We find out that that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Um, and it never occurred to me because, you know, it's bleeding, and obviously John, you know, Jonathan has tried to, or excuse me, uh, Mike has tried to sew it up sort of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tough, you guys... Tough motherfucker, man. Tough. In, in, no, even tougher, though. You guys, uh, Vince, I think when we were working on the producer's cut, you got, you even made made a point of where he's actually taken and dug out the, the slug yes. before he did that. With his obviously, teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the tougher part of... Well... Yeah, I mean... Because uh, um, it would have been infected, right? You can't just yeah. sew it up. There's no right. exit wound, right? No. No, it's been a long time since I've dug a wound around this was, I mean, we, Yeah, shoulder. we talked to the med techs, remember. too, about it. That's why there's sort of a slit there. It's not... He, he definitely went in and got the slug out, got any of the... Because oh, it, it went through the fiber of his shirt. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's, how that's, that's the idea. A, that's what a that's, tough that's, motherfucker that's, he is. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, it should be a shout-out to Cat Bardot, our, yes. our lovely yes. uh, makeup artist who... Did the original wound, and she did a wonderful job, but then it got a little digital help from Bill Pulowski and his crew to make it look a little more uh, gooey, gooey and shiny and squishy. So uh, that was a good group effort on the part of those two folks. It's nasty looking, yeah. So then in Act 1, we jump to uh, the backyard of, uh, of Mike's daughter-in-law. Yeah. Um, who I, well, I'm blanking on her name. Stacy. 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 And we see our first sort of shot of early Kaylee. Yeah, who's a, a different actress than the Kaylee folks know and love from uh, from Who's like from probably like, what, 15 by now, huh? She, uh, she's married <laughs> with kids now. <laughs> 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 she, she, was, she was a sweetheart. Uh, and but but and we would have certainly uh, hopefully it goes without saying we would have certainly used her for this part if we could have. But it'd be it, like four. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. It just wouldn't have worked. So that's <laughs> the only reason. I, I, that's that's probably Aaron, re- could, Aaron, could, Aaron could have played the part. You know what, Aaron Paul? <laughs> he's play. I mean, he played a nineteen-year-old. He's what forty now. I mean, <laughs> that was I, that actually. Uh, Kaylee was introduced in in an episode that uh, that I wrote uh, way back in whatever season. Two, two or three, think, season two it? or three, and uh, I, 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 when we were casting, I pulled for, and we ended up casting a little girl who reminded me of my own daughter. So that oh, was yeah? that was uh, that was I was, I, and, and there were briefly, and she's actually here in the office. Later on, I told her that, and she said, "Why did? Why couldn't I have played it?" But they, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no stage, stage dad, I. Um, um, so uh, then we get into, uh, I guess, probably the first of our longer scenes where we, we end up getting a little bit of backstory of Mike and Mike's son mm-hmm. and the relationship that he had with Stacy. You guys have decided to basically let us experience this from the present where mm-hmm. it happened in the past. Well, nothing's really spelled out here. I mean, if that's what you're, and, and I mean, we, we're, we, these two folks are talking. We don't know for sure how they're related. Uh, we don't know for sure who they're, who they're even talking yeah. about. A guy named Maddie, we, we do not spell out on purpose uh, who Maddie is. It, it's, it's pretty, it I seems to me pretty, pretty, pretty graspable. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, she, it's, she ta- asks about his, Kaylee asks about his daddy, yeah, so we're, we're not entirely sure, but yeah, it's, it's, but it's still a little. It, but we don't want to. We don't want to editorialize with the writing. Yeah. The worst kind of writing is we always joke in the writers. As room, you know, I'm your brother. How long have we been brothers? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's the one we always. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, but How you long know have what? Brothers, all our lives. You know what? Here, the, well, we're we're relying on the fact that our audience is watching carefully yeah. and that they're smart. Uh, so, we got uh, smart yes, fans, except really for the do. ones throwing pizzas uh, yes. on the roof. <laughs> That's at, right. At the house in Albuquerque. Other think, than them, we got smart, smart fans. I think the interesting thing too about the scene is that um, this is sort of uh, a. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is a sort of a pissing contest. Because Stacy is really confronting Mike. She believes that she knows the situation, or she knows it to an extent. And she's sort of confronting him and basically asking him to, you're looking at me in the face, you're sitting at my house, tell me the truth. And Mike's like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the way I'm taking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, seems like um, you're stonewalling. But yeah. and I, I think Mike's pretty convincing. You know, oh, yeah. if I just watch that, if I, if I just watch that one scene when he says, you know, you know, Cops aren't touchy-feely, and when he says, I don't remember phone call around but that let's time, not, I just don't. But let's not take, um, you know, away from Stacy because she's not stupid either. No, no. She's right. And she knows no. what she saw, and her mm-hmm. husband is dead, and there's money that's been she's finding money and we're not talking about a little money she's talking we're talking about several thousand dollars although yeah. she hasn't mentioned that yet in the episode but yes she has good reason for thinking there was something else you're going right on. she hasn't mentioned it but i'm kind of going at it from as we learn everything sure. she knows about sure. it we may not know about it as an audience sure. but she certainly has known about yeah. it for months yeah it's one of the things that i think is both challenging frustrating and kind of rewarding and in terms of breaking the show is that we want to make sure if characters are smart, they're smart, right? So we want to make sure that, like, you know, that that Mike is going to be true to himself, and he's going—he's not going to be—he's not just going to yell at her or something. That because that seems wrong because it's—it's too obvious and it's too—he's—he's he's going to be reserved and she's going to be smart. She's going to pick up. You know, it was a very hard scene for us to figure out exactly how far we could go to make sure that that stonewalling played and how they were going to read each other. And and that's but that is it's a challenge to be like, we have to make sure that these people aren't being not true and not smart. And, and, you know, the great thing is that with the the cast that we have, they 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 can communicate things that are unsaid. So Mm -hmm. so there is I mean, I think, Kelly, you're absolutely right. There's there's a there's a conflict in this scene. And. And, but there, and this, the moment at the end is, mm-hmm. is he going to be part of their lives? And she's kind of saying no. She's yeah. saying she's unless saying, you tell me the truth. Yeah. I'm yeah. asking yes. you to tell me the truth. You basically told I me think, I'm. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, you're a fucking liar. Yeah. I know you're a fucking liar. And I think Kelly, you're, when you you're, the the cut that you did is so great because you just there's just this pause. You just found exactly the space for her to look at him and said before she's like. Yeah, okay. Like they're just letting that moment hang exactly the right amount of space for her to before she before she responds to him after he's tried to tell her off to like get the sense like mm. I do think it's true that she drives that scene as the two actors. Carrie drives it because I'm reacting to her disbelief. Mm-hmm. And she's the one there with the it's a, what it's a very sensitive point in the way she did it because she's not buying it you know yeah. I mean I, I don't want to I, I certainly don't want to posture and make an assumption especially with an amazing actor in the room about actor motivation but in watching you know the work and in cutting the scene one of the things that I noticed a lot and I'm going to ask this as well obviously we find out that Mike is leaving Philadelphia to get away from this you know this this murder that he's done in avenging you know what happened with Maddie 
But why come to Albuquerque? My take on it is that Mike needs these people. He there's there's a reason that he came all the way across the country and yeah. he's following them. There's yeah. plenty of places he could have yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah, he's coming across the country because I mean, Jonathan, you know, I'm not gonna. You tell me what is your thought, and and you guys that wrote it, what are your thoughts? I'm coming in it from at the very end, so this is my thought. But you guys were the the you know origin of this. His son, the only link he has with his son is that granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a visceral reaction of the love for that boy was his life. Mm-hmm. And here is is his issue, his daughter. And it, it is. It is that visceral reaction of blood and the only, only connection on another level that he has to any kind of decency in his own mind. Yeah. His guilt of what he has done within his life mm-hmm. he will never forgive himself for yeah. mm-hmm. and maybe other things as well and he owes his daughter-in-law he owes her as much as he can he needs to protect her if she will allow it how um much Jonathan, do you think that I mean, how much credit is Mike actually giving Stacy at that point? Does he honestly think at that point? I'm talking about the scene in the yard. Does he, where she first confronts him about this phone call, does he honestly think that he can keep up that ruse for a while, or is he just basically feeling her out and seeing? If I don't she's know if he's her feeling ground? her out. I don't think he can face it yet himself. He can't face it yet himself. And he so desperately doesn't want to lose a connection with both of them. Yeah. I, 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 you know, he's treading water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is not like him, in my mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. Well, I, I kind of take that as, to me, Mike is very much his own man. He makes his own rules, and he's not really beholden to anybody. But at this point, I'm kind of thinking that maybe he's beholden to his own past, and he's beholden to... You know his memory of if his son and and that and that is a lot of what's driving him. Uh, if sort I'm under, if I'm understanding correctly, absolutely. His son, his son is. And a the connection, obviously, to his granddaughter, which we yeah. find out is major. Well, I mean, we find out in Breaking Bad is so major. I mean, you know, I can't forget the hungry, hungry hippos and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this young lady's name, by the way, is Faith Healy. She's a very sweet young lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, a little baby. A little, little um, Very sweet. So, uh, so basically, uh, uh, um, Stacy says, you know, uh, in so many words, she says, "Well, if you're not going to tell me the truth, get the fuck out." And I don't think she literally. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and John and uh, I and, think and she's Mike subtle is, about it, though. I don't and Mike is basically like, okay, you know. Yeah, but he, I think Mike, uh, Mike doesn't is not light. It's not. He does not do that. No, I don't. Agree. I, I I agree with you. I'm yeah. I'm sort of being. Um, yeah. You know. But then he's out there waiting for the cab. That cab was surprisingly hard. That was to do. Well, this episode is plagued by weather, right? Is that yeah. part of it? Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. But no, no, yeah, you, no you, that's good. Yeah. Um. This there, there were there were so many things about that that cab. That, but yeah, the the um, it was plagued by weather. We there was we were in monsoon season. Um, which meant that we were getting rain and lightning and 
And when there's lightning, the lightning lightning was the thing. Honestly, I I would have thought it would be the rain that would be the problem. I'm going to just jump in here for a second. Um, In in the film industry, we we all have to take like a safety class uh, for all of our unions. We have to go to this place. We have to take like a safety class that lasts like two hours or something. And we get all kinds of, uh, of interesting information about... Um, how in different ways you have to be safe on in production and one of them is lightning and it's right. very 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 specific about right. if lightning is striking and how far away it is exactly and how long you basically have to just sit there's right. a so meter that's all I there's a I'd meter on the set throw that in there. yeah there's a meter on the set and I, I, they it basically records strikes within a certain distance it's I believe it's six miles so if there's a, a lightning strike within six miles of set then you shut down for 30 minutes. Quite often the meter buzzes or beeps or boops or whatever it does, but you're not actually even hearing any thunder. Yeah, yeah. we were able to work at, in the Stacy scenes, in the interiors where we were able to work when, when that happened because you can run off of house power. You just have to shut down all the, the lights outside yeah. and all the generators, yeah. but we were able to run off of house power for some of the late, late night stuff. Uh, There's nothing more important than safety. I mean, no, it's never worth hurting anybody to make entertainment. Yeah. So that's that's something that's something that we think about a lot. The other yeah. thing too, but, though, I, if I'm not mistaken, the cab. I mean, uh, Jonathan was out there waiting. The cab um, was down the street. It drove up. Jonathan gets in the cab, but the interior of the cab was actually done in on a stage with a green screen. Uh, it was not with, on a stage. It no, was actually out, but but it was on done, done on green screen with it green was screen done, out the windows. Um, up at the uh, location that we did the the train route shootout. We, oh, really? we threw up a green screen there oh, okay. and shot shot it there because we couldn't make the we couldn't make the move essentially to to and, right. to I, and then we I thought it was because of weather that's that, that you couldn't get it on the day when you yeah, were actually shooting we were at right. Stacey's house. We had to shoot the all the all of the Philadelphia stuff. All the exteriors were. I think it took us three nights, and the the last night the the stuff of uh, the stuff on the the Philadelphia streets. Jonathan, you were so sick. Because you you'd had a, a horrible case of bronchitis and it was oh, it was you were walking wounded in the middle of the night mm-hmm. shooting this stuff. I, I got to assert this. It was, this it was, it was, it was I just wanted to say it was quite a trooper. So, so. now listen, I, I work in a business where you're not you're not there every day. But the only work I have ever missed in these last 47, 48 years, I missed the second act of a little night music in Philadelphia in 1974 because I ate ah. a Philly cheesesteak during the day that someplace I shouldn't have. Now you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, I made it through the first act, but I was young, right? And I'm wearing white tights and oh it didn't happen. They had to take me to the hospital. Oh, so anyway, I get bronchitis. And what that happened was, is we got shut down by weather. We were in the house and when Stacy's house, so, it was warm or whatever, and so that air conditioning that we blow through through those huge, huge tubes, I fell asleep on the couch with it blowing on me. Oh. It, I don't, th- and I was a little wet, and I don't think it actually helped. No, no, no. So, but we got you know the the big monologue we'd done and all that, but now we have to do Philadelphia. Which At this point, later. I have bronchitis, and wow. we're working, and the weather's holding us up, and we're going till six in the morning on those splits, and and I'm I'm sick. So Stu calls me, our, our uh, production Stu manager Lyons. and yeah. one of our executive producers calls me and and says, listen, we're going to send a doctor over. We're going to make, you know, it's, it's, and I went, Stu, I said, if we get me out by one, I'm getting better. Just try to get me by, by one or two in the morning. So the doctors pull up in front of the house and I met them at the gate yeah. and I went, and he, I went, 
this is what you got to do. If you can get me out by one or two, I'm going to be fine. Da, 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 da. And the guy looked at me, and, he, and there were two of them. Yeah. He looked at me, and he said, you mean you want to go to work? And I said, of course I want to go to work. <laughs> he said, well, most people I, that they send me out on is this because they don't want to go to work. I said, no, I want to go to work. But this is, if you get me wet all night long, I probably am going to get worse, and your worst fears of pneumonia just might come true. Wow. So he takes me in. They measure my blood, the, the oxygen, blah, blah, blah. He looks at me, and he says, I think you're exactly right, and I'm going to say that you should wow. be out by one or two. And that was the end yeah. of it. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, Bill Pulaski, uh, uh, you, you guys really, all of you guys really rolled with it. And uh, uh, with a, through a lot of I got of, to spend of several hours in a van with uh, with Nina and Adam and uh, Anna Ramey while we were, and Stu, just just watching. The, it was really beautiful. A lot yeah, of lightning. I watched yeah. sitting through a lightning storm. And it was like, okay, and, all right. And that's <laughs> why next? You, and that's why you wind up doing weird things yeah. like shoot a scene. Uh, with a green screen background and a cab, and then the background is put in later by Bill Pulaski. Well, and his we, they had to go back out to that location and shoot that background. Shoot as photographs. Well. She right. shoot out the the back window, the front window, yeah, the side window, and all, all the angles. Yeah, yeah. and then the and jumping the ahead, all this amazing, amazing sequence in the cop car done the same way. Uh, the cop car, the two cops in the front seat, but and that Jonathan. Was, that in the was back. rolling though, too. That's yeah, but that but there. but that was really shot on a Did stage. Did that come out pretty good? It came out great. Oh, and and, and it, it did come out pretty good. I haven't come seen home. it. It came out great. You mean well? How the long acting have you been working is, with us? The acting is fantastic. Well, I was worried about my guys. sorry ass. But, but, <laughs> but as far as it looking real, yeah. But you know that kind of stuff is surprisingly hard to get right. Mm -hmm. And Bill, Bill, Bill always gets it right. But uh, it's hard. I'd, I'd prefer to never do that again you know it's, it's interesting because say that it, more and more often but yet we keep doing it I that way. Well, I don't, yeah. it's interesting though because you know you have a sequence like driving in the in the cop car at night uh it just looks like you, you just think that's the easiest thing in the world to well, shoot and it's the easiest the lights but you know, keep but going in fact th there was as much effects either i would say just about as much at least from my perspective effects work in in that yeah. sequences there is in the one where jimmy climbs the billboard yeah uh which is much more show-offy and where you know there's 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 uh, there's quite a lot of digital work here here there's a lot of digital work too and it's it's complicated to get it right well, well it has to be seamless because I think the emotion the, of the scene yes. is, yeah. is all yes. you should be paying attention i think attention that is to. the case right. as well i'm going to echo what chris said because the thing is that you know um I think the, the key word that you said is to get it right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of times that you'll see that stuff and it does not, it's not seamless. And we have to give shouts out to also to Chris and Kelly for having just really being very sharp eyed. After a while you look at it and you do, you know, you're, you're wondering, you're, yeah, does it, and yes, it feels real, but is there, is there something that's tickling me? And sometimes I can't really always tell. So it's, it's uh, amazing it, the it, amount of work it takes to make something that no one's supposed to yes. notice. That's yeah. Exactly. Yep. That's the goal true. is to yep. make that, it so you can't see true. it because all you want to be paying attention to is Jonathan and what's yeah. going yes. on in his car or whatever else. And, and, and it would be yeah. easier if it were a science fiction yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, great, it look how flashy that is. And indeed the best visual, unless you're making a giant robot movie, the best visual effects are the ones you don't notice at all. So true. So true. So um, we got. We, gotta, we, we have a lot of. Yeah, we, yeah. we have a lot of uh, a lot of ground to cover. Um, I want to mention um, you guys' new hire of the veterinarian, who is yeah. another comedian, yeah. I believe. Joe DeRosa. Joe DeRosa. Uh, yet another guy I haven't met who the crew loves him. And super great. He was yeah. really sweet. He was he was on it. You know, I, I don't know how it felt working with him, Jonathan. But, well, but I was, I, I I was just you know because he was he's such a humble guy, and he was so he was so happy to be there. Mm -hmm. 
And so he, and and then he's very good and just a pleasure to work with. It seems that you guys have basically set him up to be the underworld, the first underworld contact of Mike in Albuquerque. I was pretty smooth the way Mike did that, by the way. I like with the uh, with the taxi driver yeah. who has also mm-hmm. did a fine job. But the uh, what was your, what was your line? No, anybody. Did you know? How well do you know? Or do you know your how? Know this, you know, know this town? Know this town? How well? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, that was nice. How well. Named for uh, the name of the cab driver is uh, Francisco <laughs> Fernandez, who uh, was named after a former assistant, That's one right. of Michelle Cisco. McLarent and uh, Melissa's yes. assistants in Albuquerque. A lovely Cisco. Out. He's a great, great guy. But great the Eric guy. is, uh, it's Eric Martinez, right, mm-hmm. is the actor. And yeah. i got to tell you something. The guy's good. Yeah. The guy's well, good. You yeah. know, i got to say, too, uh, speaking of that, as a, as a quick aside, uh, the acting pool in in uh, Albuquerque has gotten a lot a lot broader and a lot deeper since we started Breaking Bad. A lot of good actors locally wow. uh, in the in the area, uh, like the like the the fellow last week, uh, Big Ricky. He was mm-hmm. a local hire in uh, last week's episode. Yeah. So um, from there, we actually get back to Jimmy McGill, and I love the the scene. Chris cut this scene where Jimmy McGill comes walking in in his new uh, Matlock suit. Oh yeah. With uh, with a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and these and, two uh, great cops, these two great detectives. Actually, no. You know what? That's not the scene. I, I'm sorry. I no, made a mistake. No, I it transitions. That, that's no, coming no. up, though. That's coming no, up. No, it transitions from the vet's office, that great transition. Oh, right. Uh, to that the was, detectives. That was actually Gordon's transition. Well, I mean, that's, that was the, the scripted transition. We, we shot it a couple of... Which you wrote. I did. And I did, Adam shot beautifully. Adam shot it really well. And, you uh, guys slapped it together. You know, <laughs> <the way laughs> no. <you> <laughs> Well, we were trying to figure out. I we we were, I think Adam had thought we would transition into uh, into Mike's back, and I we were set up for 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 the shot that we had, and I just suggested if we could move the camera over into the vet's back, so we could go yeah. off of that, which ended up being the way that we we ended up, we ended using, up going. Yeah, the vet's he, back to uh, to the Albuquerque policeman, the nondescript policeman that is sitting there with Mike speaking. We what we're doing is we're jumping. Uh, forward from episode five, the end of episode five, I believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where the cops come knocking on Mike's door, mm-hmm. and now they've taken him in to the, you know, the police sta- or to the, I guess the courthouse is a courthouse police, police station, station to speak yeah. to him about what happened and why they are coming there from Philadelphia, and all Mike has to say is lawyer. Which to me, out there, I will say I've watched enough cop shows, especially one of my favorites, The Wire. If you get like taken into the police station, don't say anything. Lawyer. That's the only thing. Lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's something from uh, one of the books that we've referred to. Arrest proof yourself here. It's like you really you just don't lawyer don't say anything. Don't give anything up. Well, it's what it's what uh, Jimmy Mike, tells the Jimmy tells the Cattlemans in episode one. Yeah. And Mike is not under arrest here, so he's he's being super scrupulous. He knows the trick. He's a cop by trade. He knows the kind of tricks that that people can can do to get people to incriminate themselves. Yeah. So he's he has specifically, or in our minds, we we, we we the way we thought about it, he had requested this to yeah. be. In a in a police station, instead of at his com- house, instead yeah. of at his house where they could say something happened or and didn't happen, and that's why Albuquerque like, a, uh, PD is there. That's why every, well, that's, that's Albuquerque a rule. is pre- yeah. yes, exactly. So yeah. that it's it's more supervised to have this interview take place downtown at the police station with a lawyer present than it would be. But they could have just talked to him. But those are Albuquerque cops there in last week's episode when they first knock on his door too, mm-hmm. because that's a that's a, a rule Albuquerque has. I'm sure every every. Uh, big city every every jurisdiction has that where if you were visiting from another jurisdiction 
you reach out to that jurisdiction and you say, I want to make contact with a local. Okay, great. We'll send a couple of guys along mm-hmm. with you, a couple of our guys. So, uh, but see, I think I see for my money. I think I think uh, Mike is playing a very deep game mm-hmm. here because Mike, uh, in a later episode of Breaking Bad, talks to uh, talks to Hank and Gomez without the aid of uh, of, a, of a of an attorney. And he knows how to handle these guys. He knows how not to incriminate himself. So to me, for my money, he's asking for a lawyer. He's asking to be taken downtown. He's asking to make it official in this episode of Better Call Saul because he's playing. He's thinking way ahead, and he's already thinking, i got to see what these guys have on me. They're smart enough. I'm not going to be able to con them into telling me. I want to get a look at that little little notebook in that younger detective's pocket. How about I get that uh, that doofus who's always uh, short with the stickers, and I get him to spill some coffee. Mm-hmm. Can I, I ask you guys? I mean, you've given us a little peek behind the curtain on this one, uh, just verbal by what you said, Vince. But when you guys were in here breaking this whole thing, you know, how did that go? Did that go a lot like that, where you're like pacing around the room? Who's oh, the yeah, one it's that paces around miser- the room? Misery on every single <laughs> one of these episodes. You know, but yeah, I mean, when you got were you guys like talking about the deep game and oh, yeah, how absolutely. that would oh, yeah. go? Absolutely, and, because you know that's that's the uh, we, we had to figure out why. You know, that was that was part of the whole the whole the act. Part of it was we why does why does Mike need need uh, Jimmy what's yeah. the point of that and that that grew into the spilling the coffee um, which which was of course a gambit to get the notebook which by the way Jonathan you oh, you that's are beautifully great done. pickpocket and I love the way that's you cut it and Adam yeah. shot it as, yeah. as a wonder yeah. with everybody that's a that's a scene that rewards frame by frame scrutiny yes because yeah. you can you can really see everything if that happens. If you blink, you'll miss it. It's and there's it's no beautiful. digital trickery there either. No, no. it's kind of yeah. remarkable. I didn't even no. notice the, the first digits bunch are, of times. The digits are Jonathan's fingers. Those are the those that's are the, the digital that's trickery. Digital, yeah, 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 yeah. digital trickery. So Jonathan, did you have a past as a uh, as a pickpocket? No. No. It's very well done. It really is. It's very well done. And a shout out to the two detectives, Barry Shabaka Henley and Omid Aptahi. I, I love these guys. I know Barry Shabaka Henley. I, I worked with him. I was briefly on, uh, we were talking about Luck earlier, another Michael Mann series, very uh, sadly short lived as well, Robbery Homicide Division for CBS. I wrote one episode of that. That was a cool show. And I uh, got to meet uh, Barry Shabaka Henley on that. He was a regular. I got to go shooting with him. Uh, with the uh, sheriff's uh, shooting range, uh, that was a lot of fun. He's a great actor and a Michael Mann regular, among among other uh, things he's done. And and I did not meet uh, his Ahmed. younger partner. Is he a good guy? He was oh great. He's a great God, actor. Yes. Yeah. And Ahmed had us all this exposition to deliver all this stuff he's sort of walking jimmy through the case and all of the details and he just he nailed it every time he was just he was just right on it and if he missed even tiny things he'd be like i'm sorry about that i was like no somebody saw somebody saw said to me you know he he, uh, he said that guy that guy that guy barry he said you 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 guys you've been in everything well we're about the same age although i got him by a couple of years (laughs) one of the things i love about that scene and the way uh, the way you wrote it and the way uh kelly Kelly cut or or Chris cut it. Wait, uh, well, Chris cut the first. I got the one. first I got the part. Second one. Well, anyway, the, the, the way it's cut and directed is is the uh, is is Bob's performance because Bob Jimmy at this great. point is now finding out that this guy 
who you know he he knew peripherally, who he knew he had heard that he was he was on the job in, in episode three. He's finding out there's a lot more to Mike, and and one of the things I, I love about the scene is that you can see Jimmy feels a little bit of Mike's pain there when he hears yeah. about Mike's son, Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy has a heart. This 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 is not this guy is not just a uh, a cold. Uh, shark-like lawyer. This yeah. is somebody who has who has a has well, a little bit of, anyway. a little bit of empathy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and Bob, uh, the wonderful Mr. Odenkirk, is is this is such a great episode. But as you all know who've watched it, uh, listening to this, this is as different an episode. I mean, this is only number six, so you don't have a lot to compare it to. But this is this is the episode like the old the old kids thing like which one of these things doesn't belong with the others <laughs> the picture of the duck and the horse and the cow and the steam shovel and this this is a very I always different got those episode. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very different episode, but uh, this is uh, this is uh, this this moment with Bob showing up is 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 such a ray of fun humor. Uh, I mean, it's still serious even mm-hmm. even when uh, when Jimmy shows up, but it's it's like a breath of fresh air in the midst of all the heavy drama mm-hmm. and it only gets heavier after this scene well i think also the interesting thing in the way that it was you know written and the way that it was shot and and the way that that it was i guess the the emphasis was put on when abasi is the younger cop's name and he's telling he's basically recounting the story for jimmy mm-hmm. mike knows the story and jimmy's like start at the beginning yeah you know i'm talking we're talking about genesis right yeah. um we're actually getting to understand um the tragedy of this through jimmy mm-hmm. this it jimmy is actually the one who's getting to emote at this point um yeah and 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 understanding and i mean he because he does some double takes or some double looks at at mike when he finds out he's like you some know he's alarmed glances yeah. and he looks over and he's yeah. he's you know i think he's alarmed at the fact well you know that that this this man you know, has this kind of past, and yeah. he doesn't really show much emotion to this past, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a little, I guess, I'm not going to say shocking, but I just, it's like, what has he gone through that he is not showing much emotion mm-hmm. as far as this? Um, and then, but, you know, Jimmy is is smart. He's a smart lawyer. Even though he's finding this out, he realizes that, you know, well, Mike has asked him to do something, you know, uh, really that's kind of going against his grain yeah. at this point in time. Yeah. Mike has asked him, hey, you're going to spill this coffee and I'm going to take this pad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, whoa, 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 hold up. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then he does it. What was like Gordon um, and, and, uh, and you writer dudes, <laughs> what was, what was that like, you know, trying to basically saying that Jimmy's going to make a shift in this conversation. What is the shift and why does he make it at that point? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think he makes it for several reasons. As you say, this is what Peter alluded to before. Was One of the things that made this start to click into place was, what does this scene do to Jimmy? And where does how do we check in with... If he was just there as a lawyer, it's like, eh, whatever. But it, it, it needed to sort of illuminate some part of... He's not just a lawyer. He's the lawyer that Mike can see will do this thing that he yeah. needs. Yeah. You know, he, Which is he's what we talk about in the next scene. Yeah, it's like yeah. the fact that he's a good lawyer... Eh, that's not really. He's the lawyer that will do one very specific but thing. But Mike is rolling the dice when he when he's good, he, when he depends on that. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's dependent on larceny. Yes. And yeah, and it's whether he's depending on larceny or also in a certain way, he's kind of depending on Jimmy 
melting for him. You know that this yeah. is a bit that that he's going to have some kind of fellow feeling for a human being. That's because that's what we see. We see him go from being like, "I'm not going to, I'm not in for this Juan Valdez bump and dump." To, yeah. "Oh, you've gone through something. I I have completely missed who you are. Maybe there's a good reason here to 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 do this for my client." And he's the guy that he's the lawyer yeah. that'll really do anything for his client, even if it's yes, he's bending the rules. Yeah. But he's he is a lawyer who will do anything for his client. Mike sees so. Jimmy more clearly than Jimmy sees Jimmy. Yeah. And maybe the Kettleman's in a previous episode see Jimmy more clearly than Jimmy sees Jimmy. And Nacho. And maybe Nacho. You know, enough people tell you you're drunk, maybe it's time to sit down. Enough <laughs> people tell you you're Saul Goodman, maybe it's time to stop being Jimmy McGill. But, I mean, that leads us to that conversation in the car where, you know, I remember I thought it was really interesting the way Bob Odenkirk played that scene in the car because he he's – it's it's funny, I'm just so – enthralled with the amount of emotion that Bob brings and that Jimmy shows in the whole thing thus far. But I thought that that conversation, it's a, it's a very, very small scene. I mean, it's a very short scene. Let's put that. In it's not car. a small scene yeah. in the car, but it, it is very telling because Jimmy is like, how did you know? Yeah. And Mike is just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> I love the laugh you give me. <laughs> and, and I love Bob's and, and Jimmy's like, no, no, no. What does that mean? Yeah, me what too. does that mean? You know, how did you know? And he's, and he's, I think to me, I don't know because I I'm not positive about what you guys thought in the writers room and how you and also how Bob decided to play it, but I'm very very curious about is Jimmy really not sure about how Mike knew or is Jimmy more surprised at the fact that he actually acquiesced and did this? I'm not asking you for an answer. I'm just like I think it's it's open, and I think both of those are valid ways to look at it. Like I think Jimmy has surprised himself. I think he's surprised that Mike could see this in him, and I think he's like, "Why did I do that?" My feeling is, is is, yeah. When I was cutting it, I was like, "Going, I think that Jimmy is actually more baffled." that Mike read what he was going to do, and he did it. Uh, Mike, in reading this notebook, realizes that a lot of what has happened in in Philadelphia, and he realizes that Stacy has called these guys. And he goes over to her place and is just tearing into her. Beautiful scene. You know, um, tearing into her about, you know, you... And Mr. and Mr. Uh, Banks uh, slipped in a, a goddamn in there that was so potent and so perfect and so not in the script, and it was so <laughs> the right word at the right moment that uh, thankfully AMC yeah. let us get God away with it. God damn it, yeah. my son wasn't dirty. God yeah, damn you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a rough moment because I think Mike loves his daughter-in-law. Uh, almost as much as he loved his son. And so when he says that, it's a hurtful thing to say, but it just erupts out of him. And it's uh, just a wonderful, uh, wonderful moment of acting between both these wonderful actors. And he, he, he rushes out of there, slams the door, goes bound down to, you know, back out, side. And I'm not sure, was that like a techno crane that you guys yeah. used to shoot? From like up high down into Jonathan's back where we can... Uh, very nicely segue into uh, uh, wintry, snowy Philadelphia. Talk about the snow. The snow was, I mean, there's not, there is snow in Albuquerque. That's Albuquerque. In the summertime. This was summer in Albuquerque. The special effects team, um, Werner and his guys, did a, a fantastic job to just turn this block of, of downtown Albuquerque into uh 
a snowy Philadelphia street and and Tony and and our, our, and the our other production thing, design team. Tony Fanning. The other thing we did too as well in that is we went from the present to the past. So you see that what you guys were talking about earlier is the bleach bypass. It goes and now it looks very very blue and yeah. and, and that, cold and that that's a transition that that uh, is is so beautiful and so exciting and that that is again that's that's you know Arthur Albert and and and, um, and Adam Bernstein working yeah. together and mm-hmm. making making some I don't usually I have to say my, my I don't usually like big swooping crane moves they they often seem kind of show offy to me but this one is so supported by yeah. the emotion of the scene Absolutely. and by the the slamming door mm-hmm. and by where Mike's Mike's uh, Mike's head is at that it's it's it, I, I love that transition Adam so is not a show off director he he does it just right he always mm-hmm. puts the camera in the right place he's I really wish we could get him on 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 at least one podcast. The trouble is, he lives in New York City. You know, I know. And also, we're, I he know doesn't like doing that stuff. And he doesn't like doing. It. I know. I know. We're, I know. We're running short, but I just want to say about Adam too. You know, when I go through whatever the emotional stuff I am in, in the monologues or wherever I am, I like working with him so much yeah. that we, you know, because I look over in that face, and it's almost that questioning to me: Is that good enough for you? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel. What I feel, I'm on so on the same page. I feel like such a, a team effort with Adam. Yeah. Whenever I work with him. Uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. What's the name of that bar? Because uh, that's all oh in Albuquerque. Gosh. Yeah, right? it's um. Was it two? One. Oh, two fools. Yeah, yes. that's it. Two fools, and uh, uh, it looked all that you know Tony Fanning and his crew. Uh, such a great job making that look like Philadelphia mm-hmm. and Arthur the way he lit it. It's and, not uh, too over the top with. I mean, there's a bunch of Philadelphia gack around yeah. around it, but it's not. We're not over. It's not over the top with like eagles everywhere or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. It's Philly cheesesteaks lying yeah. hither and yon on the streets. <laughs> yeah. So just to jump way forward, unfortunately, um, um, we see Mike in this bar. He's been drinking a lot. Yeah. We get we have sort of a, heard of a hint of it in the interrogation scenes. Uh, where you know Mike says you know how I was you know right after Maddie died, Mike is also very very smart we know and he's um, I believe that he's really drinking, but I also believe that this is a show for these other two cops you know mm-hmm. so we can tell that he's drunk. It's all been a show because uh, earlier before we went into that bar, he broke into their police car. We don't see what he's put in there, yeah. but we find out later that he's planted a loaded pistol yeah. because he knows that. Uh, when they pick him up later, which he is, you know, determined that is going to happen, yeah. they makes gonna it all take happen. his weapon mm-hmm. from him. So there is a another gun, a la um, sort of a uh, what's the dude from The Godfather, um, Mikey, uh, it, Mike Corleone. A, yeah, oh, Mikey the, Corleone, the, plant, the Mike Michael Corleone another gun Michael. plant in the uh, in the in the, uh, in the, in the uh, toilet tank in the, yeah, uh, behind the, the toilet tank. Yeah. Um, uh, so jumping ahead, uh, um, I'm sorry to jump ahead, but we are running yeah, out of time. We're desperately running um, out of time here. Uh, we get to uh, where these two cops. Yeah, the Hoffman actors are uh, Lane Hoffman Garrison and, and Billy Malone. Uh, Billy Malone yeah. And these actors are great. Yeah, they did I didn't meet these guys either. I, I love I, these guys. I love these. I love yeah. these two. Yeah. And you get this whole world of a relationship between these two guys. And that they just they look like cops, mm-hmm. and then uh, they both do a terrific to my ears Philadelphia accent. Yeah, yeah. And they realize that, you know, Mike is basically in in the bar, even though he was drunk. He basically told them, "I know what you did, I know you killed my son." And you know, he kind of 
plays it off as, you know, I'm drunk and, you know, I'm going to, I know what you did. It's not going to go any further. And they're like, oh, we're not going to let you live with yeah. that. Yeah. It's such a brilliant long con that Mike mm -hmm. is playing because, I mean, Mike is holding his liquor pretty well here because I don't think he's drunk at all. Mm -hmm. Although that, he is. although when Mike, really? when Mike I don't walks, think. when well, Mike, well, let's when ask Mike the man himself. Or? Mike walks away from the two, the two cops, and they're looking at him. Yeah. Jonathan, you have this little hitch. You have this little hitch in your step. That is, it's it's not it's not a drunken stumble, but it's just a little drunk hitch, mm -hmm. and it's I, I just love that. Every it's time great. I see that, I just love it. I, I I might have had a drink or two in my life. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like he has definitely been drinking, and I gotta say, I that think he's in, been drinking, but I don't think he's drunk. But I I gotta say that in playing the scene, in 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 editing the scene ahead of it, I feel like I mean I played a lot of that stuff as being very much in Mike's head and not very clear. Yeah. So my take on it was that yeah, he is a little, not probably to the point of where he can't function. Well, it's but not going to be a good plan if he's shit-faced drunk. It's exactly. not going to go. But having said that, I think it's open yeah. interpretation. By the I, way, yeah. Nick Forshager and his crew, amazing mm -hmm. sound work in this bar, uh, particularly. Yeah. And you, you cut it beautifully with the picture, and then Nick and his crew did such a great job putting us, helping put you with your editing and Adam with his directing mm -hmm. into Mike's head sitting at the bar. Which, you know, it's interesting, Kelly, because I just read that scene differently. I don't read it as being about the, the things that you did, the subjective things as being about him being drunk as much as they they kind of speak to uh, a rage yeah. that and he's a feeling, a rage yeah. and a pain yeah. to me. And also, he obviously can't be that drunk because, boy... So pretty soon he's going to be acting as cold, coldly as, as anyone, as anyone as we've could. Ever seen him. Well, yeah. the other thing, too, is that, you know, I mean, obviously we're kind of we're playing. I'm thinking that we're playing that that Mike holds his liquor very, very well, mm -hmm. because, you know, when he confronts those guys, the bar is packed. And by the time he leaves, that bar is not only empty, it's spotlessly clean. Yeah. From that long night of yeah. of being packed, the yeah. bartender was so, good too. He did so there was job. a little time for him, I think, to get sobered up at that point. Steve Mokati, is that how you say his name? Didn't sure. meet him either. I'm not sure. Great, uh, great <laughs> job with the bartender. Yeah. But anyway, so so we basically get um, uh, those guys, uh, the cops, pull, uh, pulling over, stuffing Mike into the back of that car, yeah. and Mike at the at that point is acting drunk. Oh, He's absolutely! Like, what are you, acting what are you doing? Oh, that's mine. What are yeah. you doing? And then, again, he confronts them. I know what you did. I'm going to make you. I can't remember the exact dialogue. Gordon, can you help me out? I'm going to make you. I'm going to prove it. Prove I'm going to prove it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and at that point, they realized uh, we got to neutralize this dude right now. Yeah. Um, and you and can the, see that Billy Malone's character is the one who's kind of leading. And leading the, yeah, other, he's the, the alpha, the, the other yeah. cop really probably would have. I don't know yeah, what he he's would, young. I don't he's know what like he. I don't younger. know what the younger cop would have done. Yeah. But I think and that's he, the last piece in the. Like Mike is waiting. He's he's actually giving them the slightest bit of a chance to save their lives. I yeah. think mm -hmm. just the slight. If they're like, oh my god, we'll turn ourselves. Something I don't know. Or, like, or maybe he's. I like what you just said. Well, and that's where. I'm yeah, sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go no, ahead. That, and that's where we jump tracks with each other. Yeah. Is that I would kill those oh, motherfuckers yeah. no, no. deader than. But it's also the last confirmation of like what. But see, here's this is this is to me what the chance. this is the heart of it. I think Mike, brilliant guy that he is, is 99.8 percent yeah. sure that these guys killed his son, and that the 0.2 percent, you know, he's setting it up for them to murder him, and by murdering him. 
he knows for sure they did it, and yeah. that's what allows him to kill them as cold-bloodedly as as, as he does. I, but mm-hmm. the 02 percent possibility that they were telling the truth, because Mike can read, you know, uh, sleaze bags, and but yeah. but you don't kill two fellow cops unless you're 100 percent sure. Yeah, but certain. when they get that's him out, is, exactly. That's yeah, that's sort of yeah, what I was getting. At. It's yeah. when they get him out there, and they're they're. It's like. There's no, there's no, there's no doubt at that point. Yeah. Once, well, once they've taken him Fensky, out of that place, isn't like, it? Yeah. Fensky, that's the older here. cop. He, yeah. he explains the situation to the younger cop. He's like, hey, you know, he, he did, you know, it's own, you know, we're doing him a favor. Yeah, <laughs> which exactly. is, which is uh, something uh, now. That. Lydia, Lydia Rodart Quayle that, wise of saying that uh, years later, <laughs> you'd be doing him a favor <laughs> talking about killing Walt. But uh, maybe, maybe Fensky's a relative. Of yeah, Lydia's. maybe, <laughs> maybe. So, uh, so Fensky pulls Mike's own gun that he took off of Mike. Mike uh, knew that he was taking it, so it was unloaded. Vinsky yep. didn't check. Yeah. And then Mike shoots him. Yeah. And then Mike shoots the other guy. That is, that is. Oh, but then he is. doesn't kill Fensky. And then Fensky does that crawl. That crawl yeah. is great. <laughs> Whose idea is that in the script when you step on his heel and stop uh, him? That was, that was beautiful. <laughs> that, that is yeah. beautiful. Like, Mike, light it up. Ah, it is, it is, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is awesome. It is awesome, man. I can't wait for you to see it. It is so good. Unfortunately, the scene at the end when he cries to his daughter-in-law, we had time for that. Sorry. Yeah, I can understand. Oh, sure, boss. It's going to make a great DVD extra. And I, and I will say that I, I spoke to Gordon about this. I think Vince, you've given us a really, really great environment to take creative license, and I mean, I have taken creative license, but rarely do I really kind of change actor. I mean, a, a, a writer's words, and this time, I was adjusting yes. some things that Gordon mm-hmm. did, and I spoke to Gordon about it, um, and you know, I was willing to, obviously, willing to put it absolutely back together, but. We took a little bit of license with the way that we get back into the scene where Mike's sitting in his car, um, and uh, and this I'm not trying to say this to toot my own horn at all. To, to, to toot your own horn. This is one of my favorite things about the episode. Kelly, let us let us toot it for you because yeah. uh, as 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 written that that dialogue that that now plays over Mike. Yeah, it plays over Mike in the car. Was yeah. was, was actually the, the beginning of the scene with Stacy. It's actually, I think, wasn't it? It's in the middle, actually. I think you you, you moved. I part, moved dialogue, moved, which moved is kind of why I'm mentioning to, this. So there was a, the monologue re- went in a slightly different different yeah, order. Yeah, and that's why and we, I we really came felt in a different place. So I felt good about the idea of him talking or basically him thinking of that of this stuff while yeah. I was in the car. I didn't feel good about adjusting the order of your dialogue and um and so that's why i meant that i i took a little bit of liberty and i spoke to you about it Mm because i thought you know gordon you are such an incredibly talented writer and i was so proud to work on your episode but i definitely didn't want to change your intent and the one thing that i was originally the scene had mike just sitting in the car and it was like, you know, we we kind of got the impression that he was thinking that this was kind of like mm-hmm. a, a flashback that he was remembering. Mm-hmm. But I thought that it would play so much nicer if we heard a little bit about what his process was in it. And so I'm glad that we got to keep it. Oh, no, I think it was fantastic. I think it plays great. It's, 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 a, it's a moment that uh, I think it brings us into so that when, when he finally says, you know, Matt wasn't dirty, I was. It does. Uh, it it uh, 
we're, we're well lubricated for it, and we're we're, we're kind of waiting for that. Mm. that, that well lubricated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, moistened. It's moistened. Moistened, if you will. It's yes. a it's a great film noir moment. It is. Mm-hmm. Great. I can't wait for Jonathan. You did a great job, it. Kelly. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Jonathan, meanwhile, Jonathan, saying, what the we, fuck we, are they talking? Yeah, what did they do to my words? I think it's this. I think you like it, Jonathan. I really do. It's it's a the whole scene is so beautiful. And I just felt like if we can get into it and hear a little bit about Mike's process and what he's, because he's explaining this whole thing to Stacy. So I thought maybe if we can sit alone with him, especially, I think it actually starts as he's walking away. It's such a beautiful scene in the house. Yeah. And you, and Jonathan, you just, you know, Mike's just breaking down as far as, and he's telling, he's finally telling Stacy the truth, Yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it's, and, the and they come. Truth. Yeah. They, they're coming together. He, he goes over there and he's yelling and screaming at her. And then, you know, he's been sitting in the car remembering. In the previous scene. Yeah. 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 And then he, uh, and now he's telling her the truth. It's just, can I ask Jonathan a question? Of course. Because Jonathan, you have this, this, I mean, and Gordon, I, I, I hope, I felt like it was a barn burner scene. Yeah. That this, but you get that. You've read the script once. Literally, what are you doing? If I were to be in your head while you prepared, what would I what are you thinking about? How do you, do you have, what, can you talk about a little bit? I know sometimes actors feel it's a secret, but do, is there anything you can tell us about your process of how you prepare? Um, I, I'm going to talk to our audience too. And there's not a one of you that hasn't loved someone deeply and lost them. And uh, that's, you know, the very simplicity of it. But when you're, deeply, deeply in love with somebody. That's your life. That's your life. So there's the process. And you wow. and you put that in mind when you're when you're when you're Oh. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing too is yeah. the reason that Maddie did the things that he did was because, you know, his father said Yeah. Do it. Well, you know, the it's the idea that, you know, the line he put me on a pedestal. And I I you know, I've uh I'm old enough that I've I've had uh, babies that are mine that put me on a pedestal, and uh, yeah, 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 you get the idea. No, oh, you're fantastic, and that wonderful line uh, that's not in the script, and the script is amazing, every bit of it. But the, one of my favorite lines in that scene, uh, "I broke my boy," mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's not in the script either. Uh, it's, I broke, is it? It's it's in there. It's not in my boy, but it's it's I broke. I think it's I broke my son. In the script. I'm sorry. It's yeah. heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It is, yeah. it, it's as delivered, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. It is. And to see Mike, who is so stoic and, and sometimes almost seems closed off, although never really, and just to see him open up that way is just it's 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 it's, it's 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 shattering. We've been yeah. waiting for it all episode long or, or all every since yeah. we met him, actually. We've been waiting for it. Yeah. For the, House fifty some episodes yeah. of television on mm-hmm. over two different TV series. Yeah, you know what the other thing too is, and I'm certainly not trying to steal the fire away from that moment, but I also think what's really interesting is you've you guys have have basically told us Mike's backstory. You've shown how how awful Mike feels about this whole thing, um, but now you're also asking, you're also telling Mike. Well, Mike is is asking his daughter-in-law to be part of this as well, yeah. you know. So, yeah. so he's like saying, "Okay, now you know, but can you live with it?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's asking her to be part of this. Well, whole no, I think he's uh, for me. 
He's doing just exactly what he's saying. Can you live with it? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And whatever decision he she makes, for me, yeah, he abides by it. I agree yeah. with that. If she right. turned him in, he'd, he would accept it. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I agree. Right. Because, and, and because then, I, honestly, if she were to turn him in, if she were to, 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 to put him at arm's distance, he's got nothing left anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's and the, the episode ends it's ambiguous you just have no idea what is she what is she going to think of this and exactly. is mike mike's putting it all on the line it seems to me because all he cares about is being close to this little bit of family he's got left yeah. and you know he's he's perfectly willing he's perfectly willing to to face the consequences of what he did because that would be that would be uh the less the the lesser the lesser than being excluded yeah, from Mike, humanity. Mike's life. Now, this is a, this is a huge sweeping statement, but Mike's life does not mean that much to Mike. Mm-hmm. But yeah. his care for who he loves is overwhelming. Yeah, reason to live. I agree right. with that. I and unfairly, that. we kind of do know what she decided to do. Do we? M- well, movie math says, you know, Breaking Bad tells us that, you know, he has got a great relationship with the granddaughter. So, I mean, yeah, not, there, there could why be some, are you harshing everybody's yeah, buzz? Yeah, right, I'll, take it out, I'll take it out. Hey, hey, that's a different woman. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It is a different that actress. Maybe he that's killed right. Stacy. Maybe he we killed don't the original Stacy and replaced <laughs> her with a robot that looked vaguely like her. It's oh not the God. same. It's not the same kid either. So, I mean, there's there's all kinds of things you can think of. Yes. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us today. I appreciate it. Kelly, thank you. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Kelly. Peter. Hey. Gordon. Thank you. Chris, as always. Thank you. And I gotta say, a special shout out to to our friend and colleague uh, Gordon Smith. This is his first produced episode of television. Congrats, He's, Gordon. Yeah. Started yeah. off Congrats. as 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 my assistant, and uh, way no, back. We started in, off as RPA. I'm yeah. sorry, is that? <laughs> See, I don't even. This is so long ago. You started Dream, off the as place RPA. where dreams come true, servitude. man. Yeah, Gordon, and, uh, it's all downhill from here. Right. Thank you. <laughs> but but seriously, man, great, great, great job. Thank Just a great job. Yeah. But it really is a great job. You know, dude. Thank wonderful, you. wonderful thank you. So, so glad to have so you. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for coming in. Episode uh, 106, actually, pl- for us, it actually plays in two days. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Chris, get on this podcast, man. you got to get this it. done quickly. Here we go. <laughs> got to get um, it edited, huh? Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I cannot believe it. I think I tweeted out yesterday. Um, we are actually number one, like a podcast of television film still. And I'm, like, so floored by that. I don't usually look that stuff up, but... Uh, it keeps getting tweeted out to me or, or it keeps getting emailed to me. Um, so I really appreciate you guys listening. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. And uh, uh, we're actually loving it because <laughs> we're here on Saturdays doing them. So uh, we'll see you guys next week for episode 107. 107. Bingo. 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 So anyway, uh, talk to you later. Uh, Bob, take us out. Better call Saul.